0: Today on Simple Truths, Pastor Xavier Reese reminds us that God is always in control. All the sons saw that their father
1: loved Joseph more than all of them, and it caused the greater drift between them. It's surging towards that boiling point, revealing what was in their heart towards Joseph. They hated him with a passion. God is, was beginning to prepare Joseph to accomplish his will in the future. God is at work. They're totally ignorant to
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. No matter how you look at it, there are no private sins. The consequences of disobedience can and will affect those close to us. Well, today, Pastor Xavier brings that simple truth to light as he points to the plight of Joseph, his only crime, being raised by a father who refused to follow God with a whole heart. Here he is with today's lesson from favorite son to slave.
1: The life of Jacob has not been one of ease or great peace up to this point. His life at home was one of disunity and deception. His life with Uncle Laban was one of being deceived and hard labor. And his return to Canaan resulted in the rape of his daughter Dinah and the massacre of the men of Shechem. His toughest test is about to come upon him, the selling of Joseph, His favorite son, by his brothers, as a slave. What we have here is a tragic selling of Joseph as a slave by his brothers. And it unfolds for us here. Let me read. Now, Jacob dwelt in the land where uh, his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpha, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was a son of his old age. And also, he made him a tunic of many colors. But when the brothers saw that their father loved them more than all the brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now, Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, Please hear this dream that I have dreamt. There we were. Binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaves arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaves. And his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us, or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for the dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers also. And look, I have dreamed another dream. At this time the sun, the moon, the eleven stars bowed down to me. And so he told it to his father and his brothers. And his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter and mine. Then his brothers went to feed their father's flocks, that Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers feeding the flocks in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. So he said to him, Here I am. Then he said to him, Please go and see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flocks, and bring me back uh, word. So he sent him out of the valley of Hebron, and he went to Shechem. Now a certain man found him, and Uh, there and he was wandering in the field and the man asked him, saying, What are you seeking? And he said, I am seeking my brothers, please tell me where they are feeding the flocks. And the man said, They have departed from here, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went up after his brothers and found them at Dothan. Now when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. Then they said to one another, Look, this dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit, and we shall say some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit, which is in the wilderness, and do not lay hands on him, that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back. To his father. So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brethren that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him. Then they took him and they cast him into the pit, and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. And they sat down to eat a meal. Then they lifted up their eyes and looked, and there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead and their camels bearing spices, balm, and and myrrh, on their way to carry them down to Egypt. And so Judah said to the brethren, What profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. And let not our hands be upon him, for he is our brother in our flesh. And his brothers listened. Then the Midianite traders passed by. So the brothers pulled Joseph up, out of, lifted him out of the pit, and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. Then Reuben returned to the pit, and indeed, Joseph was not in the pit, and he uh, tore his clothes. And he returned to his brother and said, The lad is no more, and I, where shall I go? So they took Joseph's tunic, killed the kid of the goat, dipped the tunic in blood, and then they sent the tunic many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, We have found this. Do you know whether it is your son's tunic or not? And he recognized it and said, It is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Without doubt, Joseph is torn in pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth on his waist, and mourned for his son many days. And all the sons and all his daughters rose to comfort him. But he refused to be comforted. And he said, For I shall go down into the grave to my son in mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Now the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of the Pharaoh and a captain of the guard." The treacherous selling of Joseph as a slave by his brothers is revealed by three things. Here in verse 2 down to 11, we have the favoritism of Jacob regarding Joseph. Secondly, the persecution by the sons of Jacob regarding Joseph in verse 12 down to 28. And then the deception of Jacob by his sons regarding Joseph in verses 29 through 36. A tragic event, but a real event. And we really get a glimpse at the evil of man's heart once again. This is the patriarchal family through God's going to be using and working through. It's amazing. (laughs) Notice the favoritism of Jacob regarding Joseph comes first. Verse 2 down to 11. Now, the strained relationship of Joseph with his brothers is given to us here in verse 2 through 4. Now, the location of Jacob was the land where his father was a stranger, we are told. That's the end of the previous chapter. Stranger meaning he's a pilgrim, a sojourner, confessing that he was just passing through. He doesn't live of this world. That's what we are, the book of Hebrews tells us. Without doubt, it's the area of Manri and Hebron, as we've seen in the past chapters, 35, 27, is one of them. Now, The land of Canaan was a land where God had promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he's working it out. There's some rough areas. Canaan is occupied by heathen nations. They are idolaters, as we've seen. They've influenced some of the children also. Canaan would one day be the possession of Israel through the 12 sons that God is working through. They've still got a long ways to go. They're raw mud right now. (laughs) A lot of rocks, a lot of lumps. They're not ready. In verse 2, the situation of the home was one of division. Notice, it marked the progressive history of Jacob. But don't think it's limited to him. This title here is through his sons. In particular, Joseph and Judah are going to stand out. But also the hostility of all the brothers towards him. This is the last division that goes from chapter 37 to 50. This is the 10th natural division that occurs through genealogies in the book of Genesis. So this is the last division. Joseph was seventeen years old. You remember being seventeen? You know it all. You got it wired. It took place as Joseph noticed was feeding the flocks of um, Bilhah and the sons of Silpa. The sons of Bilhah was Dan and Naphtali. The sons of Silpa were Gad and Asher. And there wasn't too much love between these siblings, nor between them and their father, we've already seen the home. It's a difficult home. It involves Joseph revealing to his father some misconduct regarding their brother. We're not told what. But the phrase a bad report means a displeasing, an unfavorable whispering. His brothers were older. Remember, they had been exposed at least 10 years to the life of Shechem as they dwelt there. The original problem with the various children and different wives was not getting any better. Notice in verse 3 and 4, the distinction made between Joseph and the other sons did not help matters then. The man Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. In verse 3 it tells us, notice he is called Israel. He's being ruled by God. He's yielding to him. Remember he got his name changed back in Jabah? He's doing pretty good right now. He's called Israel. Everything's going great. The reason was due to the fact that he was a son of his old age. That's why he favored him. Rachel was his favorite wife, as we've seen. Esau had been favored by his dad, Isaac. And we seem to follow this pattern. You know, we need to grow and to learn and not to repeat the things of the past or previous generations. We need to submit those things to the Lord. If we don't, we keep repeating this thing and passing it on and everything else. The way Israel distinguished Joseph, notice, from the others, was he made him a tunic of many colors. This distinguished Joseph from all the others as the favorite son. The coat extended down to his hands and down to his feet. In other words, he did not have to work. The rest did. Now, if you had brothers, older or younger, you know the kind of stuff that goes on. (laughs) If there's favoritism. Notice the result in verse 4 was that all the sons saw that their father loved Joseph more than all of them, and it caused the greater drift between them. This was nothing new. It's just progressive and like a boiling pot. It, it, it's, it's, it's surging towards that boiling point. They hated him, revealing what was in their heart towards Joseph. Three times it says they hated him. Verse 4, verse 5, verse 8. You think they hated him? <laughs> with a passion. They could not speak peaceably to him, revealing what their heart was manifesting towards Joseph. The word is shalom, peaceably. They couldn't speak civilly to him, soundly, friendly. They're older. He's the second youngest, so you know how it is. When you're older, you walk by the kid, you go, you trip him, you bump him, and you know how it goes. Kids are mean. Look at verse 5 through 8. We have the spiritual relationship of Joseph with God now. God has, was beginning to prepare Joseph to accomplish his will in the future. He's young, though. The means is through training him, through dreams. In verse 5, he had a dream while he's sleeping. That's what a dream is, a vision while you're awake. And Joseph told the dream to his brothers, and, and they, they hated him even more. I mean, what did he expect? Now, some commentators say, well, Joseph was ignorant to all this. No, he's not ignorant. He's willfully ignorant. He's cocky. He's 17. Remember? 17? Just got your license, been driving a year. Now, of course, we're not talking about Joseph, but uh, whatever happened in those days, it was still the same. He was hated by them already and being a favorite son now even more for being spiritual. In fact, there's a play on words here. His name, Joseph, means adding, and they say they hate him the more. <laughs> That's a word play. The manner of sharing his dream with his brother was out of pride, then. Verse 6 and 7 Joseph pleaded with his brothers Hear my dream. I've dreamed a dream. Though we're not told their attitude, but knowing the animosity of the relationship and knowing that we're all sinners, they probably came to mock and to be caustic towards him. You know how it goes. <laughs> and so in verse 7, Joseph told them they were all binding sheaves in the field. And all of a sudden, his sheaves rose, and then their she stood around him, and they bowed to his. This must have gone well over, you know? The imagery didn't pacify the already delicate relationship, but in fact inflamed it even more. And that's human nature. We've all been there. In fact, we are confronted with that all the time. Whether I put more wood to the fire or do I try to put out the fire. My sin nature wants to make the fire a bonfire. My sin nature wants to stick the knife in and then twist it. That's human nature. The phrase bow down indicates to royalty. But here it's prophetic of the future that would take place in chapter 42, verse 6 and 9. When they did go to Egypt and bow down to him without knowing who he was. God is at work. They're totally ignorant to it. In verse 8, the method by which they expressed themselves was through anger. Um, His brothers expressed their despisement of such a thought, saying to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Literally, reigning, will you reign? Focusing on authority. You're going to reign with authority over us? And then his brothers also expressed their refusal to submit to him. By saying to him, or shall you indeed have dominion over us? The focus here now is power. Authority is your position. Power is the ability to execute and manifest that position. You can't have one without the other. They asked Jesus, by what authority do you do these things? And he demonstrated them power from heaven. His brothers, therefore, hated him even more, it says, for his dreams and for his words. Verse 9 and 11, God continued to prepare Joseph spiritually to accomplish his will in the future. In verse 9, the means of the training continues through a second dream. Um, God gave Joseph that second dream, revealing his spiritual immaturity even again. He dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers. Now, duh. Do you think he's ignorant? No, he knows what he's doing. He's rubbing it in. Joseph said to him, look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time, the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed down to me. The symbol is indicative of his father, his mother, and the 11 brothers, the 11 tribes under him. The book of Revelation, chapter 12, verse 1, interprets this for us. We're not left to our own interpretation. It is very, very, very clear. If you remember, we finished the book of Revelation, we touched upon that. In verse 10, his father rebuked him. So he told him to his father, his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, in a sharp rebuke, which means a stern reprimand, aiming at putting an end to these dreams and his use of God as he rebukes the nations and the Red Sea in Psalm 96.5 and Psalm 106.9. His father expresses rejection of their submission to him also. What is this dream That you have dreamed, shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come down and bow down to the earth before you? Some find a contradiction, mothers included. His mother's dead. Well, of course, he comes under the authority of one of the other wives. It's real simple. No contradiction. He's got three more. His brothers envied him, it says, indicating a passionate envy. But his father kept the matter in his mind. The sharp contrast is evident by the word but. His father having suspicions that God was perhaps behind these dreams. When Mary heard from Simeon, what would happen to the Christ child? It says she hid him and pondered him in her heart. The favoritism of Esau by Jacob. Jacob by Rebecca created a very unstable home of distrust and secrecy, the works of the flesh, Galatians 5, 18 through 21. That's all that can happen when we walk in the flesh instead of the spirit as Christians. And sometimes Christian homes are like the world or worse because we come to church, we hear, but we don't apply Because it takes a lot of dying to self. It takes prayer. It takes humbling yourself. It takes for God to be the center of the home. And so, none of us are exempt from this. The tendency to favor one's child over another is very unwise. There is enough differences between the children and their sinful nature that they will be at odds with one another enough times. The parent who does favor the child is planting seeds of discord among each other, and that is sad. And it happens often in homes for whatever reason. Maybe one child is more like the father, more like the mother. We've seen that with Isaac. We've seen that with Isaac and Rebecca, and, and that tragically happens in homes, and we shouldn't do that. The dynamics of many homes today is that of having stepchildren with the new morality that has come upon us, the quote, quote, new morality. We've got a lot of people who are born again who have been married two, three, four times. We've got people who have children outside of wedlock from different women, different men. And now they're Christians, and they're trying to build a home, and you've got a lot of third, fourth, fifth, and sixth wheels in your family. And it is so easy to become partial to your natural-born child over the stepchildren. And you must resist. You must walk in the Spirit, lest you destroy your home. James 2.9 says, but if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. It's unwise. The potential spiritual maturity of a believer as they are used of God is also dangerous, greatly, great danger. He or she may be lifted up in pride thinking that uh, they have a greater insight into the things of God than other people. I know that doesn't happen to you, but there might be somebody out there. (laughs) It doesn't take much to puff us up. All God has to do is just speak to me about one thing, and I want to tell everybody. Now, there's nothing wrong with sharing with other people, but the attitude is, why am I doing it? Like Joseph, many want to share what God is teaching them to demonstrate their spirituality while God would have them to keep it to themselves. He's training them. This is for them. It's not for publication. So I need to be wise in what I share, the things that God has shared for me and me alone. Discretion, prudence. A person can be used of God in such a way that they cannot understand why others Do not experience the same thing. Becoming self-righteous by forgetting that it is God's sovereign choosing to do what he does through them. God doesn't use me because I'm so eloquent. God doesn't use me because I'm so smart. God just merely uses me because I've made myself available. That's all. The problem is often we get puffed up and we look to what God is doing and all of a sudden we think, well, it's because I've done this and because I've done that. No, no. God does what he does so he gets the glory. All this brings about envy, jealousy, harsh words and lack of unity and wisdom by comparing her ourselves among ourselves. Listen to the Apostle Paul in Second Corinthians ten twelve, he says, For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. The measure is Christ, not us. If you measure yourself against Christ, you will not go publish it to anybody. If you measure yourself against me, you'll have something to boast about. And so the measure is Christ. It will keep us real humble (laughs) with proper perspective.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese, had a reminder that all we do and all we are is because of who Jesus is. And there's more to come on this topic, and that's next time. But if you won't be able to join us for the next edition of Simple Truths, you can pick up your own copy of this message. The title to request is From Favorite Son to Slave. And for only $4, we can send you a copy on CD. And this is a great way to introduce this ministry to a friend or loved one. So once again, the title to ask for is From Favorite Son to Slave. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths. And it's important that you include the call letters of this station in all your correspondence. This information is helpful as we gauge the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. Is God aware of every situation? You can find out when you tune in to the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese.